Hello there, I'm Gary Fogle, and uh, welcome to Kentucky Sports Memories, where I take a look back at memorable moments in the history of Kentucky sports. You know, people in this state love to talk basketball pretty much year-round, and I think they love to talk it even more in eastern Kentucky. It's just such a big deal there, and they like to talk about their mountain legends and their great scorers, and they've had plenty of them. There are probably just a handful that are in particular that come to mind right away. One of the first, uh, I would think would be the first, is a guy that many never saw play. I never saw him play. He played before my time, before I was born, but I certainly know about him and heard all the, the legendary stories about him, and that's King Kelly Coleman. They called him the king because of how much he scored. He played at Little Bitty Wayland High School in Floyd County there in eastern Kentucky. Wayland, by the way, closed back in 1972 when it consolidated with other schools. But when Coleman played there in the mid-50s, uh, everybody knew who he was, and the gyms were always packed wherever he played. And then probably the most recent, as far as folk hero in eastern Kentucky, I would think would be Richie Farmer, who uh, graduated from Clay County High in 1988. He led Clay County, or helped lead Clay County, to a state championship his junior year in 87. Uh, he, um, they went back to the finals in 88, but were knocked off by Ballard. But he had like 50-some points in that championship game in that loss. But sandwiched in between those two was another scoring legend. Don't know if you remember him, but you should. Uh, his name, Irvin Stepp. And he graduated in 1980, 40 years ago, 1980. He graduated from Phelps High School. That's in Pike County. And uh, Irvin Stepp, his senior year, he averaged more than 50 points a game. That 1979-80 season, he averaged almost 54 points per game. And he's the only high school basketball player, Kentucky High School boys basketball history, to average more than 50 points a game for an entire season. And then he averaged just under 50 a game his junior year. And if you combine his average over his junior and senior seasons, it comes out to just over 50 points per game. And that's the highest two-season average by any player on any level. High school, college, pro, two-year average. He had the highest scoring average over a two-year period of any basketball player in U.S. history on any level. That's amazing. He stood uh, six foot two. He also had a 36 inch vertical leap. So that certainly helped him in his scoring. And uh, recently I caught up with Irvin Stepp. You hold so many records and you hold the record for most points scored in a season as far as scoring average. And nobody's broken that. Does that amaze you? Uh, I, I think, you know, after the fact, I really felt that with the three-pointer, someone would probably break it. But uh, I don't know. It, it, it kind of does amaze me sometimes because you know, I didn't have the three, which obviously makes a big difference. Uh, so in, in a sense, it does. Uh, I, you know, records, as they say, are made to be broken. And I, I figure that one of these days it will be broken. But, you know, uh, who knows? <laughs> Are you hoping someday it will be broken, or is there a selfish part of you that says, man, I hope I stay up the top forever? <laughs> no, if it's broken, it's broken. I mean, it is what it is. I think one thing about it, too, is even if it is broken, 
uh, you know, you could always put an asterisk and say, hey, the three-point shot was not and was not ineffective that day. But it, even even without that, it is what it is. If it's broken, it's broken. You know, it, it doesn't bother me. At the time you were doing it, or even now, do you sit in kind of in amazement at how many points you scored in a game? That's funny you ask that. I mean, not so much now because it's been so many years. I, but I think after you know, probably ten years after the fact, you know, once I once I got out of school. Uh, got married. Uh, it, it seemed kind of crazy because, I, and the reason it did is because you know just by following basketball and watching other games, because you know no one did you know get near it, uh, and that's probably though why I was able to do what I did because during I never thought about it. It just kept happening and happening, and I, it was so fast I never really ever thought about it during you know, during when it was happening. Uh, but, you know, when I sit back and look at it, it, and when I watch games today and people playing it, it really seems kind of ridiculous. So it does. And, and I understand. I, at one time, I didn't, just you know, just what I did. But now, when I look back at it, it seems pretty crazy. Yeah, when you were growing up, I heard this story that your father took a regulation rim, cut it down smaller in circumference so it would be smaller, more difficult to make a shot so you'd become a better shooter. Absolutely, Dad was doing that back in the that back in the fifties uh, for his younger brother, my uncle Orville, who was a basketball star at Marshall University, and who was also a state slating store. And that's when Dad started doing that back uh, back in then. You know, my dad's theory was uh, a basketball rim is eighteen inches in diameter. A basketball, a men's basketball, is nine inches in diameter. You, you know, I don't know if you've ever tried, but you can take two men's basketballs and they will fit perfectly inside a rim, a regulation basketball rim. They'll fit. It doesn't look like it when you're shooting at it, but there is that much room on a regulation rim. Uh, and his theory was uh, almost like uh, he would look at he looked at it like this. You know, if a hunter can shoot a gun and perfect a small target from say a hundred yards. What's going to happen when he puts the big target back up? And that was kind of his theory. And and I, I recall the year between my seventh and eighth grade year, that's the summer I remember him doing it. And we had about a, a three-month summer that year. Uh, with, with, you know, it was a long summer before school started. You know, there was no AAU back then. So I spent the entire summer shooting on the smaller rim. I, I would recommend about 16 inches, 15 and a half inches. You go any smaller than that, it'll frustrate you. Uh, but I remember going back to school my eighth grade year after a three-month summer on the smaller rim, and I would have bet, I think I even asked the principal of the school if they put new rims up because I, it was almost hard for me to believe when I looked at the rims when we had that first-day assembly. It just didn't seem like they were the same rims. They looked, they looked, they looked huge. They didn't look, <laughs> but I hadn't seen one in three months. So I, you know, it made a huge difference, and I would look at it. I'm like, man, there's no way that's the same rim that I shot on three months ago. So I mean, it, but there's no question with my brothers and all of us that we uh, we shot on the smaller rims, and it was kind of like the old the old spoke story, but it was true. And back back then, I had kids everywhere in the area were cutting their back backyard ball go down. Uh, I've got people that still do it that'll call me and ask me how much I should cut down, and 
Uh, so, yep, that's definitely a true story, and and I would recommend for anyone uh, who wants to work on their shooting, uh, that's that's something I'd recommend for anyone, uh, you know, anyone of all ages. I also understand that you hold the single-game scoring record in every gym you ever played in in high school. That's that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> my younger brother, you know, he kept up more with my stuff than I, you know, than I did. I just kept playing. But he could. His name is Gary. He's my youngest brother. He uh, he keeps up with all that. But that is a true. That is a a true story also. Now you averaged uh, almost fifty-four a game your senior year. I think your career high was seventy-five. Is that correct? Seventy-five in one That's year. Correct. That's correct. And I guess that night you just felt like you couldn't miss. I guess you didn't miss. Well, well, no, <laughs> not really, not really. That, that actually, uh, actually, if I would have had one of what I would have called my better shooting games, I would that I would I would I could have probably scored closer to a hundred because I was a higher I shot a very high percentage when I shot. You know, I was like a fifty-eight to sixty percent field goal percent shooter when I'm. And my senior year, I averaged about 32 field goals a game, but I averaged hitting about 20 of them. So there was there was 40 of your points, and then I averaged about 14 points a game from the foul line. So there's the 54, roughly. But that particular game was the most shots I ever took in a game. And I think, if I can remember right, I was 25 for 42 that game, which is obviously a good percentage. But if I could have, you know, uh, one of these games – you know, a 30 for 42, a 34 for 42, because I had games like that where I missed five, six shots an entire game, you know, 30 shots. And so really and truly, and also that particular game, 50 of those points were in the second, were in the first half, or the second half. I scored 50 and a half. So really it was not one of my better shooting games. So, I, <laughs> you know, my, my best shooting game was a game of junior year. And I, I was 28 for 34 and had 69, and that was against Millard High School, uh, which is now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think it's East Ridge High School. It's a consolidation. But, but that was my best shooting game. Uh, so, no, I thought about that game a lot, not so much the points, but that I, if I were to have one of those games of missing five, six shots, I could have had closer to 100 points. <laughs> You talked, or we talked briefly about the three-point line. You graduated in 1980 from high school. Three-point line didn't come in until the late 80s. If the three-point line had existed when you played, just ballpark figure, what do you think you would have averaged? I mean, you averaged almost 54. What do you think that would have been had the three-point line existed? I think I could have consistently hit 10 threes a game because I think I hit about six a game when we when we tallied it up and looked back at you know some of our games, I was about six six a game without being conscious of it. Six? So, you mean you hit six shots a game from that? What would have been three point distance? I did that as it was. Yeah. But I just but I just got two points for it. So I played in leagues after the fact with a three pointer, and I feel like I could have completely. Well, I know I could have because I averaged about ten threes a game in a pro league. Uh, playing for Rick Huckabee, who used to be one of Marshall's coaches and head coaches. I was in my 30s. And so I feel pretty confident I could have, in high school, knowing there was a three-point line, 
because most of my shots were long range. I mean, a lot of my shots were. Uh, they were long range anyway. After high school, um, or while you were in high school, a lot of people would have figured that you would have ended up at University of Kentucky. So I guess a lot of folks want to know, did Kentucky recruit you? First school that ever offered me a scholarship was Kentucky. Uh, you know, you, I, I was just one of those players that was very, you know, I was really uh, uh, family-oriented, very close to my brothers, my family, my mom, my dad. And we we were always, you know, I, I can remember one, one particular article that was probably in the Louisville Courier Journal on it. You know, family that plays together stays together, and that's just kind of how it was with me and my family. And and you know, we we kind of had a you know a package deal wherever I was going to go. I had a brother Jim who was playing at, in Washington D.C. at George Washington University at the time. And wherever I trans, wherever I went to, he was going to go as a transfer. And my brother Joe was going to go as assistant coach. And we just kind of had that set up. And that was obviously something the UK could do at that time. Uh, the University of Auburn offered us that. That situation, uh, they were going to they were going to do that, and it, it was going to work out there. But I just it's twenty two hour drive. Uh, my mom and dad could have come to you know, the kind of games if they would have wanted to. But that's that's the reason, you know. And I know there's been all kinds of rumors. I've had people say, "Well, Kentucky didn't recruit them." Kentucky's the first school I got a scholarship from, and I, I remember the letter. Uh, it was a personal letter. Joe Hall had signed it and written it, and and the statement said, I mean, and the letter read something like, you know, you scored, I saw where you scored, you know, in the 50s the other night. You know, and they went over Ole Miss, I think we had 59. He was kind of making a joke about it. You know, he scored <laughs> almost as much as our team did. And, uh, but that, that's kind of, that's kind of what happened, you know. It's kind of yeah. blown out a little bit over the years. And, you know, I've, I've heard everything in the world I wasn't offered. And, but no, that's, that's not true at all, huh? If it would have been a decision solely based on me, uh, there'd been a good shot. We went there. So you ended up going to Eastern Kentucky with your brother transferring there to play, and and your bro- other yep. brother transferring there as an assistant coach. But uh, it surprised a lot of people. I mean, because I had all kinds of don't the high D one schools, right? And it was a mid major, and he don't be D one. I think back about it a lot, you know. Things didn't quite work out for you at Eastern, and I guess part of that was because you were injured a good good portion of the time, correct? I stayed hurt. I stayed hurt a lot. I, actually, my, my, my freshman year, second semester, uh, you know, I, I think I finished the year out in double figures, like the last 13 games, and I was playing with uh, two caliber guards on that team that were seniors, and I started some with them with a three-guard lineup, and Tommy Baker was running up to Isaiah Thomas in Indiana for Mr. Basketball. I mean, he got drafted by the San Antonio Spurs, one of the best guards in the country. I mean, he just got trouble like an Indiana transferred. And, and then Bruce Jones, who's a Kentucky native from Bath County, we're still friends. I think Bruce may still be the all-time assist leader in OVC, heck of a point guard. And those guys were the two guards that I played with behind my freshman year. And then stayed fairly healthy that year. But then after that, I, you know, I, I kept running into health problems and knee trouble. Had, had some stints my sophomore year. Had some really good games. I think I had 21 against Vanderbilt. Uh, I had 19 against uh, Navy, I think. 
but I just never could get in a groove with it. I just I stayed hurt, and uh, that's just kind of how that's just kind of how she rolled. So you played uh, three years at Eastern, and then you transfer out for your for your final season. Yeah, I had one year. My brother Joe had gotten a job at a small college near home. My father's health had deteriorated. Uh, he, he got really sick, and it was only about an hour from my home. And and uh, I had a year to finish, and I just went ahead and went down to Ellsworth College with my brother. Once again, we stayed together. I had a younger brother that went too. And, he graduated there, played four years for Joe, uh, and I finished out there as their leading scorer. And, and basically, we, uh, Alice Wood, when I first went there, was kind of, a, at that time, kind of laughing stock of KIAC. And the year I was there, you know, we beat, we beat the Union, we beat Georgetown, we beat some of the more power, NIA powerhouses. And since then, you know, it, it kind of, it kind of opened up the doors. A lot of other players started going there because I played there. And then, and then in the 90s, Alice Lloyd had a run where they went to four straight national tournaments. And I like to think that, you know, and my brothers were still coaching there. By then, another brother came down, the one Jimmy, who had, who had been at Georgia, who had transferred to Eastern with me. Jimmy was there helping coach with Joe. And of course, I was out working then. I was out of school in 85. I graduated. But they, went, they had four years in the 90s. I was an assistant coach too, so we were all on the staff. And Gary, all four, all four of us were on the staff then. Uh, and we went four straight national tournaments at Alice Lord, which was pretty cool. So, I've often wondered you had that storybook high school career. Have you ever thought back and said, well, maybe if I'd gone to UK instead and not gotten all hurt, time. I would I would have all gone and played, played NBA uh, and had an NBA career? All the time. All the time. I look back at all the articles. You know, sometimes it's not so much now, but for for several years, a lot. You know, not so much now, but probably in my 30s, late 20s. I thought it all the time, you know, because, you know, obviously you had better, uh, you had better trainers, you had better, you had better situations at bigger schools as far as injuries, if I I would have had the same injuries. I thought about it quite often. Uh, you know, what about went to UK? Uh, wonder what would be going on now. But, I, you know, I, I'm one of these people that I try to always look at the positive side. And there's no doubt in my mind, Gary, that I I received more. I got more glory out of high school than most people ever get in a lifetime in sports. And it was it was amazing. And that was without the Internet, social media, and all this. And it, was, it was really insane. You know the kind of things I went through then. So I mean, I'm 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 thankful for all of that. And also too, I thought about this quite often. My decision to go to Easter was family based, and really and truly, me going there basically molded my entire family as far as my brothers. They met their wives, their children, my nephews, my nieces. So that call by me going there. Basically, you know, a lot of positives came out of it, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that weren't basketball-related. So I, I kind of look at it like that, you know. But, yeah, first times that, uh, especially early early going after I got out of college, I used to wonder quite often, you know, what if? Because I played in leagues, and, you know, I'd some of the best in the country. And, you know, the year I came out, 
with the same I played in I played in games with the same year you had you had Pat Ewing, you had Doc Rivers, you had Sam Perkins and and you know, we were all in the same class, played in all star games and, and uh you know, I fit right in I fit right in with it. It's not like people were saying, Hey, who's that guy? He don't fit in. Uh but uh you know it is what it is. I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful that I, I I got to experience what I did. Well, it's been 40 years since you graduated high school, and you're you're in your late 50s now. Do, do you still play? You play any pickup? I played pretty regular uh, until I had a car wreck uh, back in '05, and I really almost done me in. I broke my back, and my neck, and lost lost a part of my thumb and a finger on my left arm, making my arm up. Until then, I was playing in leagues regular. Uh, at that time, I was 46, 47 when I had that accident. I was playing in leagues with, you know, the top, the top, the top leagues with you know, 20 year uh, guys trying to get in the, try, trying to get in the, get in the pros, and you know, trying to go to college. And I was playing in leagues and, and playing really well. And even after the accident, it took me about a year to recover, and I played probably. Until I was about 51, 52 still. Uh, haven't played in any leagues now, probably about five years. Uh, don't play near like I used to. You know, still shoot around some. Uh, keep saying I'm going to come out of retirement <laughs> and, and start playing again. I've got these young kids all the time wanting to know them. It's really comical because that's how everybody always knew me, you know. And I run into people I haven't seen in 20 years. You know, I haven't played ball. I said, no, that's all I always did. You know, they only think about my age. You know, hey, you playing ball anywhere? I mean, because that's just kind of who I was forever. Ran into a kid yesterday. I taught him in school. He's 32 now. Last time I saw him, he was 13. I, I wasn't much older than he was at that time. I was probably 39. I was telling him yesterday. I was about 39 when I had him in school. He's 32 now. First thing he said to me, hey, you play any ball? I said, everybody knew that's what I did. They don't even think of my age. Uh, you know, I was just known as the guy that just kept playing ball. <laughs> well, your 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 knees start to go and your ankles start to go and everything starts to go, but can you still shoot it? Is the shot still oh, there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can shoot. Even with the car wreck and my left arm being mangled, I'm a right-arm shooter, so it took me a while to adjust. But yeah, I can shoot. I mean, that's just, something, uh, that's just something that you don't lose. I mean, really with me, uh, it, it, you know, I was a jump shooter. What happens is you get older, your jump gets lower. I, I was a jump shooter that got up off the ground. And as I got older, the jump got lower. And then eventually, you know, it's not, you don't jump much at all. But as far as shooting, I can, yeah, I can still shoot. I mean, it's it's just something you don't forget. Uh, I think I may have told you before. I'm not, if I were to shoot 100 foul shots right now, I'm not, and I'm not shot the ball in a while, I'd probably be mad at myself if I did make 90. <laughs> I mean, that's just something you don't forget. Uh, not a shooter. That's what I. Uh, that's what I am—a shooter. What I was. And so, um, what are you doing with your life these days? Well, it's kind of ironic, you know. I almost lost my arm in a wreck, and, and and I'm in the prosthetic business. I was in the prosthetic business when I had the wreck. Uh, I taught school for about 15 years. I've been in the prosthetic business. I'm a licensed prosthetist. I've got a business in Ashland, Kentucky, and uh, I help people 
who have lost limbs, I have people, uh, you know, regain their their livelihood back and uh, and help them learn to walk again and be mobile and be independent. And I do. I travel and do it. When I started years ago, I wanted to be different with it because no one else does it that way. I go to. I, I travel a lot. I go to people's homes in Eastern Kentucky, Southern West Virginia, these rural areas. People who otherwise may not have an opportunity to get to a doctor. I go right to them, and I've got a truck that I can work out of. I can, I've got electric on it. I can work out. I can work right out of it and do anything to help them and work on the prosthetic leg uh, or arm right there at their home. And I've been doing that for 20 years. And you know, someone asked me one day. If it ever gets old, you know, you'll get tired of your job. And I said, how can you get tired of help people walk? Uh, I, get, I get physically tired sometimes because it's, it's it's not uncommon for me to drive, oh, some 300 miles a day and see seven, eight people on the road. That's kind of a normal day for me. And it's, you know, life's a game. It's In a weird way, it's not playing ball again. The other companies that do this are my competitors. And I don't want to lose. I want to, I want to, I want to have the best product I can have, and and I want the, the patient to be content until other patients. And I and I've been blessed. It's, it's worked. It's worked really good for me and my family. And uh, that's what I'm doing. I don't know how much longer I'll do it. I'll probably I probably do it till I fall over. Who knows? But uh, if I, I don't see me ever retiring, if I if I were to stop doing it, I'm sure I would do something else. Well, Irvin, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, congratulations on your career, and uh, sometime later today, go out and shoot some jump shots. I, I, I may do that. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I really enjoyed meeting with you and reminiscing about the, I guess, the good old days. Uh, it's, just, it's just so hard to believe it's been that long ago. I've been talking to Manuel Force a little bit lately. I know he's a he's a Louisville man, Louisville Moore High School. And uh, it's just it's just crazy how long ago it's been uh, since he and I played ball. All right, I appreciate your time, Irving. You take care. We'll talk somewhere down the road. Uh, that sounds good. I'll be looking forward to. All right, buddy. Uh, take care. You and your podcast. Thank you. Irvin Step. Uh, he was uh, driving through the mountains of Eastern Kentucky when we had that conversation. Headed out to see his customers for the day and the prosthetic business that he's been involved with. Again, he averaged nearly 54 points per game his senior year. He averaged just under 50 a game his junior year. And his two-season average is the highest two-season average of any basketball player in history on any level. High school, college, pro. It's pretty amazing. My thanks to Irvin Stepp for his time and uh, reminiscing about his career. Coming up next week, I'm going to be talking with another high school basketball scoring legend, also a scoring legend from Eastern Kentucky. You'll want to tune in for that one. That comes your way next week, so be sure to join me then. As I've mentioned before, I always enjoy your feedback, and I enjoy your suggestions on uh, story ideas, things that you think I need to be talking about on this show. There are a lot of things that have happened in the history of Kentucky sports that I may have forgotten or never knew it existed. So let me know, and I will look into those and see if I can do a story and a show on some of your ideas. So please get in touch. That'll do it for this week. Again, I thank you for joining me. I'll be back next week with another show. Please tune in then. 
Until that time, I'm Gary Fogle, and this is Kentucky Sports Memories. <laughs>